And good evening, Mental Speak family. You are tuned in to the Fishbowl Radio Network, coming at you live from Arlington, Texas. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker. I'm so happy to be with you this evening. It's uh, looking like summer for us tomorrow. It's going to be 70 degrees, so whoop, 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 holla. Thank you uh, to everyone around the world, locally, here in America, wherever you are around the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in each week, Friday, 5 to 7, on the Fishbowl Radio Network, on the Red Stream. Tonight's show is, every show I do is particularly special to me. Don't think that any show that I do is, is any more special than the other. But when we're talking about kids and we're talking about reaching our youth and empowering them to succeed in life, um, empowering them to overcome any challenges they may have, I'm particularly excited about that. So I think tonight's show is going to reach a lot of people. We're going to be specific, speaking specifically to the American school system. However, I know we have a lot of listeners around the globe. So what you're going to hear tonight is... Uh, tips on how to help your child succeed, how to recognize if your child is having any issues in their education career, and how you as a parent or a caregiver can help your child to navigate that system. Uh, I think we all can agree that in the United States, things have changed, things are progressing as we go. So I I want you all to... Uh, consider that you also may have kids in your in your family that you may need to you know you you ha- kind of have oversight over them and we we may offer some tips that you can help out the parents in your life um i'm really excited about the the ladies that i have sitting with me tonight the the credentials and the experience in this room is insane it's ridiculous so we got a lot of a lot of information packed have your notepads ready have your pens ready uh so you can get some information as you know you can call into the studio if you have any questions these ladies are uh very very experienced very credentialed and and they can answer any questions that you may have the phone number is area code 214-717-4678 214-717-4678. Again, thank you for jumping in tonight. I want to go around the table and introduce our guest this evening. We have Miss Brittany Baker, licensed clinical social worker and clinical director. Hello, everyone. We have Miss Stephanie Miller. She is a behavioral specialist and soon-to-be social worker. That's right. No bias. No, bi- no bias, but... but right, summer. It's great. Right. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, uh, Stephanie is... Uh, I, she interned with me. Correct. And, uh, yeah. So that means she's trained horribly. So if you're... Yeah. <laughs> so what if you're out there... I trained you. Oh, shoot. Oh, y'all are in trouble. Y'all are in trouble. I'm the only good one. It's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, we have Ms. Summer Herrera. She is a behavior specialist and prevention intervention trainer. That's a lot of shun. Yep. So, yes. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. You guys ready? We are. Thanks for having us. You ready to do it? Okay. So we are going to um, we're gonna just go around the table, uh, give the folks a little bit about your background uh, and your particular uh, function and how you got into it. What's your passion? 
Ms. Brittany. Sure. Uh, my name is Brittany. I've been a clinical social worker for a while now. I've been in mental health about 10 years. Uh, got into it because I decided probably to disappoint my parents on purpose and drop out of med school and decide that social work was where I really wanted to go to not make any money. <laughs> um, but I really love what I do. I've been in acute care. I've also been in the school district and I've been in crisis prevention to <laughs> avoid hospitalization um, for kids but that I really, really don't need that I do. I've been in so acute care. care. I've been also been in the school district now. and I've been in crisis prevention to avoid hospitalization so, for kids that um, really don't need that re-traumatization. Where do I start? So that's where I've been. So I'm currently a behavior specialist. I um, started out in the social work field right out of high school, worked at Ms. the Stephanie? Um, night so, shelter um, children's program for the homeless children and families. So I'm currently a behavior specialist. I've always had a passion for social work. I started out in the social work field right out of high school, worked at the have a loud night shelter running up children's program disenfranchised homeless vulnerable populations there um, I've always had a child protective services and um, I've also worked for um, a residential behavioral care and, um, facility, working with kids ages five to twelve with vulnerable severe emotional behavioral issues. Um, worked for child and I'm currently in a local um, school I've district as a behavior specialist, um, a residential behavioral care facility, working with behavioral kids ages five issues. to twelve with. Awesome, Miss Summer. Um, where do I even begin? Um, I was a foster parent for a few years and really didn't know much, if anything, about special education. Through being a foster parent, I started working with the local school district and helping children who were being adopted but were having some behavior concerns. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Texas and fell upside down and backwards into um, working on a campus that only served kids who had extreme behavior issues. Yeah, I've been on one of those. Those are fun. Yeah, baptism <laughs> by fire. And um, now I currently work for a local school district as a behavior specialist. Very good. Like I told you, perfectly credentialed and experienced to give out some tips for for you to be able to um, apply to your life. Mental Speak is a show that... Uh, the, the focus is finding mental and emotional balance in your life, uh, seeking wellness. And so all aspects of our lives, I know for a lot of parents, school, it, it, getting your children through school is a severe source of stress. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most stressful. Would you agree? Would yes. you agree? Yeah. I mean, think about yeah. how you felt going through school. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. I'm thinking, you're just going to school. Like, right. the fact that someone I mean your, your parent drops you off every day and so you're thinking okay I'm just walking in the schoolhouse and I'm dealing with this life myself you you had no idea that on the other side you had a parent that was hopefully a good parent that was stressing over <laughs> your education and if there were any issues that arose you know I know for me there were phone calls home quite a few times a week I know it's a big surprise. It's a big surprise, but I talked a lot in class. I I know, I know, it's it's crazy. But I was I was in trouble a lot. Whatever whatever we call ADHD today, I would have had um, in the eighties. That was called just you know being a bad kid, being a bad bad little girl, yeah. being hard headed, right, being fast. So I can only imagine that you know my mother didn't have any answers. We it was just as simple as a child is going to school. You either act right or you don't act right. Now it's you're dropping your child off. You're getting the phone call that uh, we're looking at the test grades. Or we're looking at the grades. We're look you know we're looking at scores uh, from uh, the star test. 
right? We're having some behavioral issues. Your child can't sit still. Your child is having outbursts of anger during class. So it's getting, I mean, maybe that always happened then, but wasn't it that the, the classes were, they weren't inclusive, right? So that there was a completely separate room for special education. How much has that changed since? So there still are some centralized programs, which okay. are separate rooms mm-hmm. for certain students with different, you know, there's different levels of functioning. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they try to have the students in their least restrictive environment, which is, you know, as much access to their non-disabled peers as possible. But there's still classrooms where they are, you know, exclusively with students of similar disabilities. So. Okay. And I can't remember when that changed. I'm trying, maybe the 70s? It was the 70s. Yeah, something like that. It's, well, I'm trying to think, because I came up in the 80s, so I, I just remember there being special ed and gifted, and then the rest of us were kind of like, yeah. you know, we had, right. our, we had our thing. Looking back, I mean, I probably was easily needed intervention. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm just keeping it real. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and a lot of something that I know as a parent of a of a son with special needs that a lot of parents don't find out that their child had special needs, or, or a lot of parents didn't realize they had special needs as a student until their kids needed wow. services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what yeah. happened in my life. It was oh my god, I my mother totally could have benefited from a five hundred four plan for me. You know, but we didn't know it then, so we know it now. Um, how did you? You all are the first. You're the front line, right? Would you consider yourselves the front line of what's going on in the schools as far as behavior and um, sort of kind how, of yeah? Okay, so we're teachers are more on teachers the front are going to more be in the front line. First, yeah. take a referral. Okay, so and that's something that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the process of. Your child, uh, you're getting a letter home, you're getting a call home that your child has issues in the classroom. And we're going to talk about the process of getting from that that letter home or that call home mm-hmm. to the behavior specialist coming into your classroom. Let's, let's start there. So your child receives um, a letter or a phone call from, from staff. Who typically will call the parent and let them know that there's issues in the classroom? Usually the assistant principal will call. Okay. And it's 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 usually um, it becomes a pattern whenever you start to really um, receive a lot of communication. I mean, of course, the teachers are going to be in constant communication on a daily basis, and as things come up, you know. Um, but when it starts to become a serious pattern of issues and where they're missing class time or it's disrupting the learning of others, you know, that's when. Um, kind of this team of people may at the school notify you that they're going to start the response to intervention process. They're going to try to figure out, kind of identify what the student is needing that they're not getting and, you know, how can they do interventions to meet that need on a very kind of low level, you know. Um, And so they may start that process and notify you that they're in that process. And that would typically be the, you know, there's like a, Probably typically the counselor, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the assistant mm-hmm. principal, but also the counselor. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah, it's usually the same kind of process. And a lot of what we do when we first go in is we're not working directly with kids. We're working with teachers. So the teacher might call the behavior specialist and say, we're having this kind of an issue with this student. So at that point in time, we're going to go and meet with the teacher and talk to them about t- 
um, tips that they can do, maybe come in and observe the classroom and give them some ideas of what they can do with the student. And then we're going to check back and see if there's progress. So if the student's making progress, then we know that was the issue, that the teacher just needed a little bit of help. They were just struggling a little bit for whatever reason. If it's not getting any better, maybe the teacher did need some more tips, maybe they didn't, but the student might need more intervention, and so then there will be another layer added. Yeah, when you know it goes beyond the way that the teacher is communicating and it becomes something of how the child is receiving that communication or not receiving that communication and how they are able to interpret what's being asked of them in the classroom. So have we have we come a long way from and this is something that I want our our listeners to hear have we come away from oh that's just a bad kid or has that changed are we are we still seeing um situations where children are just being labeled bad and they just can't get it together and they're not getting the intervention that they need but yeah, yeah I, see, I see a head shaking <laughs> I'm my job is just to answer those basic questions now he's just being bad that's what that's what I hear. Right? I think sometimes some people don't understand what's right. going on, mm-hmm. and so their initial response is, "Well, there can't be anything wrong with me and what I'm yeah. doing." So that's a bad kid. And a lot of times, after that individual gets more tools, they'll see it differently. Or if they can understand that the student's disability and why they're performing the way that they are, then they see that it's not a bad kid. It's right. just we have a deficit for whatever reason in whatever mm-hmm. area. And so that can start changing the tide. But, I mean, people are people. For sure. It's really easy to get defensive to say, well, none of my other children are having problems. Why is this one having problems? So it can't be about me. So if you can change the perspective of the parent or the teacher to say there is something that is keeping you guys from connecting and it's not necessarily anyone's fault, but how do we bridge that gap for you? And that's where the specialists come into play. Very good. Right. I think it's also really important to say that we're not bashing teachers at all. At all. Our teachers work super hard. At all. We were both teachers. Yeah, we're both teachers. I have subbed. (laughs) I have subbed. God bless the teachers in the world. I um. Yes. I I no longer. I notice. I no longer sub. So. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) No, you you all are. You know, the, 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 the work that you do every day, and, and in some places you are the daily parent. Yeah, right? they're imperative oh, yeah. to raising your kids. They yes. see them more than parents do sometimes. Yes. I know it's something that I, um, I just had my son's ARD meeting. Uh, we'll get into the ARD a little bit, but the meeting I'm, I'm going in and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, his team. And it's, it's just amazing how much they can tell me about my child at school. And I'm like, who, who? He did what? He said what? So to parents, I say to you, trust trust the the information that's coming at you because your child is a completely different human being when they go to school. Just just trust and believe that. Agreed? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not completely different, but definitely... There's things your teachers and your school staff are going to see that you don't yeah. at home. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. parents can get really defensive. Yes. Like, oh, my kid would never do that. They don't do that at home. Well, of course they don't. Their mom's not at school with them. For sure. So really trust that the school staff has your best interest in mind whenever they're telling you these behaviors. It's not to tell you that you have a bad kid or what's going on. It's yeah. this is what we're seeing and how do we work together. And I think as a parent, I know I've gotten really defensive before. I'm like, whoa, no. Mm-mm. Not my kid. Not my kid. But yeah, not my, my kid, kid. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. I'm like, I, they tell me something that my son did. I'm like, oh, I did that too. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was my kid. That was my kid. Okay. Um, so it, it, the the key 
emphasis here is that it's a te- it's going to take a team yes, effort. It's a partnership. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership. Yeah. It's a collaboration. Yep. First and foremost, so parents understand. The, I I'm going to say that the very first barrier to break down to before we even go the path of in the process of getting the help is you have got to come into the mindset that it's it's going to be a team effort and it's going to require you. It's going to require you taking down those defenses. Uh, the like, As Brittany said, the first defense mechanism is, no, not my kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, be open to it. Be open. What also, how should parents approach the child? Um, the, you get the phone call. You get the letter. Again, a parent's first instinct may be, some parents' first instinct might be, what is your problem down at that schoolhouse? You know, what are you doing? Right. Why are you acting out? I really, really want us to talk about certain behaviors that may signal learning disability. Let's let's get into that. So your child is acting out, but it seems to only be happen, you know, in a certain classroom. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you have to kind of find out. And that's what we do when we go into classrooms. And there's a one particular student that's having issues. You know, we do like a little functional assessment, a little mini functional assessment to find out, you know, what are the triggers or what are the antecedents or what are, you know, is it a certain time of day? Is it a certain classroom? Is it certain people? Is it under certain circumstances, right? So is it whenever the teacher calls them out to ask them a question in front of everyone or, you know, those type of things. And so that will kind of lead you to what the root of the issue. Yeah. So um, some defiance even maybe. Maybe yeah. the yeah. teacher is getting an attitude from the child and you're like, well, what's your, what's your problem? Why are you reacting to the teacher that way? And it's just that immediate defense mechanism. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't, I'm, I'm, I can't read or, you know, the confidence. Yeah. They're and usually avoiding easier something. easier for kids. You know, I'd rather be bad than be stupid. Yeah. We see yes. that a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, and, and again, that's why I think a show like this is so important because I feel like we don't have the knowledge and the information. I think we're still operating on the old school mentality of go to school, sit down, be quiet, shut up, and listen to your teacher. And whatever your teacher tells you to do, that's what you, that's what you're going to do. Parents may not understand that some of their kids are not being bad. It's just that's a natural reaction to someone who has no confidence in their learning. Mm-hmm. Or they've been struggling for so long that that's the way that they get through the day. Yeah. And, and and function okay. So the teacher's been notified. The teacher's notified the parent. The system principal's been notified. What's the next step? Once we kind of have an understanding that there's a problem, what's going to so be so in our district? That's pretty much where we come in. Okay. And so if we're like Stephanie was saying, like you said, if we go in and we're starting to look at a kid and. You know, I'm going in and doing observations, and I realize he's only doing this in math class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, does he have an issue with that particular person? Is it a personality issue? Because some people just don't like each other. So that for me, what I'll do is I'll present the math work to that student in a different environment. And if they perform for me and they can do it, then I know, okay, it's not the math. Yes. But if they can't, then we'll go back and start looking at test grades. How did you perform on the STAR? What did you look like in math last year? And take it from that angle. Okay. This is, and I and I want to point out, too, that you, you all let me know that, um, the so the governing um, protocol for special education is the 504 plan. No. 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 See, I want to make sure. That's, yeah. well, that's why y'all are here, see? <laughs> what is, what... 
determines because I want if someone's in California and someone's in New York or wherever they're listening from, what is the governing body over this process so that people can know that, hey, I'm I don't live in Texas. You know, is this the same for me in my area, in my region? Right. So 504 is a civil rights law. Okay. Okay, so it actually um, prohibits discrimination for federally funded for programs. And it's a different layer of support than special ed. So special ed is, you know, the most comprehensive. Most intensive. Right, right. And so 504 is, okay, my kid can perform in a general education setting. They can show they can learn make progress experience success they have the ability to master the general education curriculum but maybe they need some accommodations maybe they need some supports you know whether it's preferential seating or extra time or reduced homework you know some of those things so maybe they just need a little extra help with that that's where you can do the 504 layer before you know, you would go all the way to special education. Okay. So, so in 504, is um, is it, how does a parent, does a parent have to request that, or is it something that's offered? Like, how, do, how is the process of getting that put into place, the yeah. 504 accommodations? Either way. Absolutely. Either way? Both. Yeah, okay. either way. So okay. a parent can request it, and if they have some some evidence or some data or some information, you know, that they can bring to the table with the school personnel um, in requesting that. That's always helpful. Um, the school, you know, we had talked a little bit about the response to intervention process. So once they, you know, are going through those little different layers of interventions and how the student is responding to that, then they may come in and say, okay, I think a 504, they may recommend that okay. 504 plan. So, And there are some um, diagnoses that wouldn't qualify a student for special education services, but they could qualify under 504. So like a student who has social maladjustment or ODD, oppositional defined disorder, they can receive services under 504, but they wouldn't necessarily get services under special education. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Any barriers to parents? Have you guys seen it where parents are just like, no, not my kid, as far as disabilities or concern learning disabilities is that something that you experience sometimes parents just don't want special education services period the end and what's their what's they their say reason? why yeah that their child doesn't need that that is that's, that's detrimental very detrimental how could how can those barriers be broken down with a parent that I mean, how do we get that education out there to the parent? That's that's what I want this to be, is how are we telling parents or how are, how are we offering parents that practical information uh, so that they can, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where that label, right, that special education stigma. label, the stigma of... You know, you you have a disability, you have a learning disability, or you know some kind of behavioral health issues. Where where we've we've got to overcome that. We've got to break that down, and that's really the goal of the show. I want you guys to understand that the the, the goal is to to get help, to admit, to open up, to offer your child the help that they need to succeed. We're going to do that today.
Welcome back to the Mental Speak Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I am your host, Latanya Davison, sitting in today with behavior specialist Stephanie Miller, licensed clinical social worker Brittany Baker, and behavior specialist and prevention intervention trainer Summer Herrera. We're talking today about the steps to getting your students the help that they need particularly when they have special needs, if they have any learning disabilities or behavioral issues uh, in the school setting. Uh, we're trying to empower parents and students today, uh, give you guys some answers and some tips of the process of getting the help that you need, because we want to see all our kids succeed. I believe the children are our future. <laughs> you got to teach them well. They are. <laughs> we're going to die. And you got to let them lead the way. <laughs> Show them all the beauty they possess inside. It's a little song I wrote. I'm just kidding. Okay, so <laughs> um, we were talking before uh, before the song break about the process from 
oh my god my kid is acting out in class and I got a letter I got a phone call from the from the assistant principal vice principal and I need to know what the next steps are to take um, we we found out that either the school will contact us and <clears throat> do some intervention right. uh, to begin the process of getting the students the, the accommodations that they need mm-hmm. and then there's a next level of that which would be special education. Correct. Not every child will need special education. Okay. Correct. No. There okay. are 13 disabilities that are recognized under special education. So and they are. I don't you know. know them I'm off the topic. All. Come on, Stephanie. Let's see. Let's this see is the challenge. This is the most common. Do what do you guys Here we go. see? Autism. 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 Speech impairment. Mm-hmm. Visually impaired. But visual impairment doesn't always require specialized education. Okay. Auditory impairment. Okay. Deaf. Um, intellectual disability. Yes. Emotional disturbance. Yes. Other health impairment, mm-hmm. which encompasses a lot. We could consult <laughs> yeah. Google. We could. We could. <laughs> I've um, done it. I have done it. Anyway, there's 13. <laughs> okay. 13. 13. Recognize, and so the once you've done the assessment for the child, they're going to fall under. I know um, my son, for instance, ADHD fell under other health impairment. Yeah, right. correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, you got that. it. I would have totally been <laughs> other health impairment. Just saying, no, no meds. I made it though. ADHD could also be served through five hundred four. Yeah, could also be served through five hundred four. So okay. yeah. So the difference is if if ADHD is that qualifier, it's do you need an accommodation or do you need a modification? Now we see why parents get confused, yeah? why It's right. overwhelming, well, isn't it? professionals, we're Is confused it? sometimes. So wow. it's, it's very confusing, or it can be very confusing. It can it be. It's really quite simple. Which is why it requires the team. That was mm-hmm. that was something that was that was really emphasized in the first segment, is it's a team effort, folks. Parents, you've got to be willing to play on the team. And these folks are allies. These are allies for your child. That has to be the approach as opposed to, you know, becoming defensive that that this person is just against your child. Also, you know, we as parents, we have to be careful, too, not to be against the child. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so easy to I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. You get angry at them. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, this they they take it defensively as a poor reflection on me or a poor reflection on my parenting or my skills. And, you know, I haven't done anything wrong. So this isn't my fault. Why are you? reflecting this on our home yeah. that can be really difficult for a parent to really break down and understand it's not about you it's not about your parenting style it's not about any particular person it's about how do we get the services for your kid and if we can all realize we're on the same team mm-hmm. with the ultimate goal of making your kid successful in school to be a successful adult then that can be a humbling experience for parents sometimes for sure Brittany what is the, what are some of the I want you to speak to the parent that says not my child, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with this, you know, this one of these 13 issues. I mean, you know, especially when it comes to some of the behavioral disorders, mm-hmm. uh, some parents deny mental illness. How do we begin to break down the barriers for that? I think for someone that's coming to me and saying, not my child, I think, you know, internally I'm thinking, well, why not your child? <laughs> you know, right? of course it's not, it's, it's something bigger than that. It's why, why isn't it your child? What is, what's going on and what are you scared of as a parent or what, what's that barrier 
that anxiety that you have and how can I help bridge the gap of the anxiety to make you more comfortable with what's going on? And I think that's as a, a therapist or interventionist is my job to kind of give the parent education and kind of relieve that anxiety and stress to where they're open to the situation of getting their kids the special needs they need because face it, if you are in denial about the behaviors or about what's going on, it's not going to make it go away. All it's going to do is make it worse for the kiddo and have that, you know, cyclic, you know, conversation of getting worse and worse and eventually they're going to end up you know, either in trouble. A lot of the kids I see are in juvie or been in and out of juvie. They're in and out of hospitals. Um, and that's not good for kids either. So let's stop it at the beginning and show them that there is a path to recovery that can be much less painful for you as a parent. For sure. And I just want to remind listeners that if you have specific questions, uh, you can call and these Beautiful, intelligent women will answer them for you. 214-717-4678. We are here in the Red Bull. Uh, so, Miss Stephanie and Miss Summer, I, I want you to, because we said you've got some talking points that you said are really key for parents to, to, to get. So I want to make sure that we get to that. Where'd you, where'd you want to take it? Well, um, we're kind of on this, um, whole I guess talk of acceptance and so I think you know as parents we have we kind of facilitate that process for our kids for Mm self-acceptance and so it's going to be so important for them I mean everyone needs to feel successful they need to feel worthy they need to feel like they you know. deserve the help that they're you know receiving <clears throat> right and also the, it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is it doesn't matter what label we put on something your child is still uniquely them whoever they were before that label they still are we just need to as as parents and professionals we just need to accept that we have to figure out the intervention that's it the label doesn't matter what matters is the intervention whether it's medication or it's changing seating arrangement or yes. whatever it is that's what matters so that your child can access what they need and that's what I you know I make sure that, that I, I tell parents that I work with that label is for resources yeah. it's, it's yeah. your fishing pole yeah. and that is your ocean out there and you need resources and so you in order you got to cast that that pole you're not going to get to the resources if you you, if you, you refuse got, to fish. If you refuse to, come on, <laughs> come on. What are we doing here? I don't know. We're, we're, we're fishing. It's okay. Put the label on it. What kind of fish do you need? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want, now this is going to be really key, this question. I want to speak. That was funny. That was totally. <laughs> I was trying to ignore her. She wants to join the little people down here. You guys can't see in the studio if you're not watching Facebook Live. But Stephanie just adjusted her chair and <laughs> it was. Oh man, it was hydraulics to it. Let's just put it that way. It was it was hydraulic movement. I want to speak to the issue of cultural disparities come with it okay because we're working with many different groups many different types of parents what type of disparities are we seeing because we got to be real we got to keep it honest yeah we got to go there is is help accessible is the is the playing field level for access 
I don't want you to I'm not going to want to put you in this because I don't want you to look at it from not necessarily from the systems aspect but just access for parental knowledge right and how do we increase that because and what I'm asking I know it's a tough question yeah. what I'm but I want to address it because because we're, we're talking to so many people there's there's someone out there that just does not I don't know what you're I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Like, how do I access that information? How do I get help? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? How, how you know? Start the conversation, okay. right? So yeah. um, we met with one of our um, colleagues this morning, and she said the best place to start is really to, I mean, so let's start with, you know, you have concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting these calls or you're getting these discipline referrals or you're seeing these grades or, you know, you, you have these red flags. And so send a send an email, send a written request to your um, school personnel kind of outlining your concerns okay. and make, making suggestions if you have them or just say, I don't know what to do, but I know my child needs help. And so just start the conversation. And don't stop the conversation until you are met with someone who has the knowledge and the resources to meet the need. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you, yeah, that's it. And, and we talked a little bit about um, when Summer and, and you and myself were talking a little bit before the show. And we said that, you know, I've, I've heard parents say, well, I live in this, you know, school district and and. You know, or I'll go to this school mm-hmm. and the staff didn't help me. You know, we moved here from such and such and we had great accommodations there and we had, we had our meeting and all that. And then we were at this school and we didn't get that much help. How does a parent, let's say they are at a school that maybe, I'll give you an example. My son was going to a charter school and it's, they had a brand new, uh, diagnostician. She was solely responsible for kicking it off. Right, contact and everything. She was the point of contact, but she was new. She was just trying to figure things out. So I didn't have help. So let's say that's the situation. How how do I go about the process if there seems to be some roadblocks? Right. Oh, that's tough. I think first of all, just remembering that the people that work at the school, like those are your professionals, but they're just people. True. So. We, you know, today I might not have as much knowledge as I'm going to have two weeks from now whenever I go to a training and I think, oh my gosh, I would have responded to that situation so differently had I have known this. For sure. But today you're the parent and you're in the situation and the person that you're encountering doesn't have all of that knowledge, but you're frustrated. So I think you just keep having that conversation. With different because, people, maybe. Yeah, with different people yeah. if you need to. Don't just stop at the teacher. If you're going to the teacher and you're saying this is the problem... That teacher's giving you the best they've got, but that doesn't mean that you can't get a better or a different answer if you go to the assistant principal. Got it. Okay. I want to make sure you, you get all your talking points in, so anything else that you know we need to hit on in this segment. Well, and just on this topic, you know, there's tons of online resources for parents, so we have several pages of them. <laughs> but um, there is the PATH Project. Um, there, you know, it's a federally funded parent training and information center we have a regional coordinator um you can go to their website and you can have phone consultations you know just get informed um and i mean there, like i said there's just a plethora of of resources online uh, 
that's just one of them. There's also Texas Parent to Parent um, website where they can actually go and look at legal framework, um, how to get receive advocacy and support, um, you know, just to get educated about the whole process and the system and how to access it and those type of things. So wanted to definitely put those two resources out there. Um, and that's important because it, as a parent, if I'm flustered and, and anxious, it's going to help me if I know more. So if you have some free resources that I can go online and access mm-hmm. as a parent to where I can get the knowledge, maybe it'll help me direct the questions or know where to go. Right. And I, that'll help you get a lot further quicker. So I think these online resources are great. Awesome. <laughs> Any thoughts, Miss Summer? Well, I just know, as you know, personally, like, I have a child who's who's just very complex, and she doesn't fit any specific diagnosis, but she's just kind of her own little uniqueness, you know. And we've had different types of difficulties since she was six months old, and she's she's nine now. So I know as a parent how complicated it can be, and even as somebody that's that's a professional in this field, it's still frustrating at times. Yeah. Because I know I want different and I want better. So just to know that as a parent, that it it does get frustrating sometimes, and that's okay. But just keep being your child's advocate because you're what they've got. That's it. That's all. Are you guys seeing any differences between the, the sexes, between males and females? Are, are there different um, manifestations of learning disabilities or behavior in the classroom? Any? Yeah? Yes. <laughs> And, and how so? What are you seeing with girls? What are you seeing with boys? <laughs> we ask the tough say, questions here. Yeah, you too. We I do. would say that if you see a, a female student that's in a behavior unit on in a school district, typically they're, they're the real deal. You know, girls that stand out amongst other girls really need a lot of help because... By nature, females are just more caring towards one another. So they kind of mask things. And it's harder mm-hmm. sometimes to identify whenever a female student has an issue because their friends gather around them and just kind of help accommodate them themselves and bring them up to the same level as yeah. everyone else. Mm-hmm. Whereas boys pick on one another. If you're different and you stand out, we're going to make you stand out more and everyone's going to know. Yeah, I think girls internalize a lot more. Right. Um, so you'll see them act in unhealthy ways against themselves whereas boys would tend to project it onto someone else kind of what summer was saying is it's not going to be it's not going to be me it's going to be you i'm going to make it you you know that speaks to the the a lot of the bullying behavior that we're seeing then you know i think we have in in many ways yeah we don't want bullying right no bullying I feel that the element that is missing from that that anti-bullying campaign is what is up with the bully. Like, what's going on in that bully? Because if we're talking about these acting out behaviors, may if I'm a child who struggles to read, I I struggle with learning, I struggle with processing information, and my day can be filled with just projecting onto other people and giving them a hard time to kind of deflect from myself. Maybe that bullying isn't, you know, just, I'm just, again, I'm not just a bad kid. So we're arming ourselves with information so that we can start to approach behaviors from a more, uh, you know, practical perspective where it's not just labeling kids bad. That's, I think, in my mind, that's my goal. If we can get away from just 
these kids are bad. I don't know what's going on with them. What's their problem on either side of the coin? Let's get to the root of it. Let's find out what's really going on inside of this child. And and parents, that's that's what all of this information is about. It's just laying it out for you to come in for the taking, right? Because this video is going to go on and on and on. I'm hoping you're watching and I'm hoping that you're sharing. Um, Brittany, I want to bring this back to you. Um, in the in the next segment, next half of the show, we're really going to talk about after education. So after education cannot manage behaviors, cannot manage the emotional uh, issues. What's going to be the next step? Where are we looking at going from there? So Miss Stephanie and Miss Summer have come in. They've done their jobs and their assessments. Oh, they're not done. <laughs> they're not done. <laughs> I still need them. We still need I them. I still need the we're school not, as the here. psych yes. referral. They're still, still there. Still need them. Okay, so so next step would be, and, and how do we say we're going to get there? We said that technically you can't say, yeah, yes, yeah. We just because so I don't want people to know. I want people to understand that that's not it, something. It's that's important come for parents yeah. to know that your school is not going to step into your life and demand a psychiatric referral. They've done everything in their power to give the resources and help, but they, if it's still at a point of there, I want the parents to be open to asking the school what are some other resources I can do because they're not going to make the referral for you, but they'll give you the resources for you to call as the advocate for your kiddo. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because the school deals, the school deals with school related performance progress. And so one of the things we had talked about this morning was Mm -hmm. there may be a lot of things that the parents are concerned about or seeing at home. And, you know, maybe they're going to the school for help. Maybe the school is a safe haven for the child and they're not necessarily struggling at school. You know, Um, the school's not really necessarily going to have a response other than connecting with community resources because their primary job is is learning. And if the child is learning and they're being successful and they're making progress, then it's really more about how what can they access within the community to address those things at home okay so and so there was a term that you said that leads from the school to the behavioral uh facility and and that was when it's imminent danger right so so once we've gotten to imminent danger then there's been an outcry then then we level that up so in the next segment we are going to to go there we're going to you know, some parents, you're finding yourself where your child's behavior may be increasing in the home uh, or, you know, certain uh, what we say is maladaptive behaviors, things that aren't working at home. You're having issues at the school. The issues are starting to spill over into the home. They may level up. Again, uh, we're still um, we're still going to need Stephanie and Summer, right? We're not done with you yet in that (laughs) educational aspect, but all of this information is to empower your students. It's to empower your children. It's to empower you as parents. Armed with information, you can help your children navigate through a lot of this. I, I, I think back to the past when it just seemed like, you know, for the most part, uh, I think parents really did not know what to do when they had certain situations like this. You just, you know, for all sense of purposes, your child's just going to end up a juvenile hall or on the street somewhere. I think that was the thought process. But, you know, no more. We do have the resources. We've got the information. That is the purpose of the Mental Speak show. I'm so grateful that you're listening in tonight, live from Fishbowl Radio Network on the Red Stream. Live.
Welcome back to the Mental Speak Radio Show on the Fishbowl Radio Network. I'm your host, Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker. I'm here with you every week, broadcasting from the Red Bull Fishbowl Radio Network studios here in Arlington, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight, we've been talking about empowering parents and students who are dealing with educational um, and emotional issues in the school setting. A lot of times parents may find themselves uh, dealing with, with, a lot of times one of your major struggles with your children is 
their their life at school. Um, you're seeing the grades dropping. You're having to worry about test scores. Uh, maybe their behavior is, um, you know, it's not up to par. You're getting letters home. You're getting calls home. A lot of times, uh, for you old school parents, the thought has always been something's wrong with my child. Uh, they're just misbehaving. They don't want to follow directions. They don't like authority. They don't want to do what they're supposed to do in the school setting. When in actuality, your child may be experiencing some uh, learning deficits. They may have, uh, you know, they may struggle to read. In some cases, it may be as simple as they need glasses. In other cases, it may be they're being bullied. In other, you know, another child is, is unable to deal with the emotional struggles at home. Maybe you've gotten a divorce and your child is having issues handling that. Maybe your child has become depressed. There's so many different angles um, that that we could come from at this, but the number one thing is when your child is having issues in school, how do you get help? How do you get the resources? One thing at Mental Speak is always going to be in order to find mental and emotional balance is to have knowledge. You have to get your hands on knowledge and information. It's the only way to level up. It's the only way we evolve. And so my goal is always to bring you licensed and credentialed uh, and experienced people who can, can show you the way to go. So we're doing that today. I'm sitting in with Stephanie Miller who is a behavior specialist. I'm sitting in with Summer Herrera, who is also a behavior specialist and prevention intervention trainer. And I'm sitting in with Ms. Brittany Baker, licensed clinical social worker and clinical director in um, behavioral and mental health settings. So we've been talking quite a while in the first segment. If you're just tuning in, thank you. And just be prepared to get tips on becoming empowered uh, I don't ever want you to leave a mental speak broadcast without feeling empowered and, and, and feeling like you, you can take this info. You, you should be able to take this information and apply it to your life, right? Because applied knowledge is power. So let's get into it. We, we talked in the first segment about the process of getting the help that you need. We're here at the point where we've gotten accommodations. Your child may have gotten a special, special education, um, resources however there's still issues in the classroom right the issues may have trickled over into the home this is where miss Brittany is is generally contacted how do you come into the picture at this point oh there's a slew of ways that that mental health can get involved so it can be whether or not a parent reaches out directly um, saying, I need mental health treatment. It could be, you know, the school helping give them the resources. Please remember your school cannot force a psychiatric referral, but they can give you the resources if they think you'd benefit from them unless it becomes imminent danger for your kiddo or for someone in the home. Um, that's where I would come in and we would do an assessment on your child or maybe the family and make a recommendation for a level of care. So when I see a kid, I've, there's a, there's certain criterion and I'll get into this at a whole nother show with you. <laughs> But there's different levels of care that we can recommend that a child would benefit from from behavioral health care, whether it be seeing just a therapist on a regular basis, maybe seeing a physician on a regular basis, maybe doing like an a, what they call a PHP or IOP program. So a partial hospitalization or intensive outpatient program where maybe we remove them from the school for a little bit and put them in a behavioral school and teach them some more intensive tools or 
if it's severe enough where that imminent danger comes into play for the schools, they may come to a psychiatric hospital. Um, and usually that's when behaviors become dangerous to themselves or others. And let's face it, schools are really hard place to be, especially if you are isolated and alone with a disability and you aren't connecting with anyone, right? So there's, there's an avoidance that we've kind of touched on already for the, what we've been talking about of, being the bad kid versus being the dumb kid or pushing others away before they reject you. A lot of kids with disabilities also have a a history of trauma and they've been rejected or there is something going on to where they're reaching out for that human connection in unhealthy ways. So what's most important to me if I'm trying to get a service plan together or improved for your kiddo is to allow that communication for the school. That's vital for what I'm doing to be successful. As the psychiatric provider, I'm not going to have them long-term. My plan is to return them back to school with additional resources for both the child and the parent with the school. And it's going to be really important. A lot of providers will ask you for what's called an ROI. And you're like, what the, why are you talking alphabet to me? That means release <laughs> of information. And that's vital to it giving the school and your psych providers the relationship to be able to communicate back and forth. They will want certain things at the school when you return, whether it be the psychiatric assessment to where we're giving a preliminary diagnosis. That may help qualify your child based on the diagnosis of what services they need. We may do a psychological. So if you have that cognitive impairment, this is going to be proof that they're needing accommodations. It could be knowing when their medications are given so that the school can understand, hey, you know what? We see that he always gets hyped up right around this time. It's right before medication time. So maybe we need a long acting medication or something to help bridge that gap. Um, it could be as simple as having a return to school plan. We may learn different things about the child while they're in an intensive setting that the school hasn't uncovered yet. Whether there's a history of abuse, whether there's drug use going on in the home, whether or not they can't read or they can't see, or they're having depression so severe that they're isolating, withdrawn, and simply just don't care about school right now because mm-hmm. they don't care about themselves. And if they don't care about themselves as a person, they're not going to care to succeed for their parent. Let's just be honest about that. So I need to sometimes just give a simple return to school plan. What are some of the triggers I've seen in psych care? What are some of the warning signs that I've noticed get them hyped up that I can give teachers a warning about? And what interventions have I seen as as an intensive provider that have been successful and maybe sometimes that haven't been successful? Because Lord knows there's plenty of those too. Um, and giving all of that in like this neatly as possible package back to the school so that I can return them to you all in a better place. Um, your school will probably ask again for an ROI once you return to school so that they can continue. And if that's something, a, a lot of parents are really uncomfortable, right? They already don't want to hear that their kid has special needs. And now you're telling me that they also have a behavioral health diagnosis and they need medication. Like, I don't trust what's going on. So I'm just going to pretend that all of that didn't happen and go back to the school. And it's really important and as parents that we understand it's not that whole label that we've been talking about. It's additional help and resources to get them to a better place in school. And if you really aren't comfortable with signing a release of information to let that partnership be ideal, at least provide them with the information going back and forth. If the parent's okay being the messenger, that's okay and that's your right. But let's make sure that each entity has all of the information so that we can help your kiddo as best as possible. And that's probably the most the most important for, thing for me as a short-term provider. 
and and there's that that word team again. It's a team effort. I I don't think we can emphasize that enough. If you take away nothing else from this broadcast, that it is going to take a village. I mean that that saying is cliche. We say it over and over, but at the end of the day, it is a village of practitioners and uh, licensed professionals that that we have to take advantage of. I mean, it's not a perfect system. We have all admitted that. We've all said that, you know what, <clears throat> and I'm surprised. That usually we'll get the comments and it's like, you know, this system is this and that. We can we can talk all day about the deficits. We, we know what they are. I think as parents, we have to start really taking responsibility for our part in this. Yes, we birthed this child and we have these expectations, I think. Do you, do you see that? We take our kids to school and we're like, you know what? I brought my kid to school. <laughs> so that you can teach them. You can I'll teach them. them. I'll see them when they're 18. Right. All never. day. Never. You've never seen that. Never. Ever. And I mean, it, it is. It really is about everyone taking responsibility. You know, if, you, if you're a teacher, take responsibility for what you have you signed, know, signed to on to life. do. That's it. That's all we're asking. But as parents, our duty is to get this information. And and I am acknowledging fully that I don't think the information is accessible across and you know across the board. But that's what we're here for, right? That's what we're here for. We're here to make it available. So my child, my child has to go up to this next level of care. How how does how do we continue that bridge between? You touched on it a little bit, but how do we? Where are Stephanie and Summer in this process? Well, hopefully I'm talking with them as a as a psych provider on a regular basis. I want to be able to tell them, hey, this is what I've discovered about this kiddo. This is maybe some of the trauma history or they're avoiding this classroom because of this happened or this peer. A lot of bullying can get uncovered in psych care because they are away from the school at that point and then they're comfortable opening up about it. And so sometimes when they're removed from that situation I get a lot of info that's useful for the school to know and that Mm -hmm. can help be placed into their plan to where maybe those little nuggets that the school couldn't quite get because they weren't able to see the kid at a full a full picture we've already talked about how kids are different at home and school they're also different with their psych provider than they are with their educators and it gives a different perspective to add to the ultimate goal which is the service plan to make them successful at school and I'm going to be talking to them about, you know, this is what I'm seeing. If I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm sure the psychiatrist would want to be able to update the school on medication changes so the school can be aware of what changes are going on in this kiddo's body, you know, their their teeny tiny little body that may be getting some medication and how that affects them physically and knowing that they're not falling asleep in class because they don't care they're falling asleep because they're adjusting physically to something new that's happening to them and that's vital for the school to know to know that it's it's not a behavior at that point and that helps them you know really support your child and have that guidance and patience with them that we as a parent are begging for the schools to have and if we're begging the schools to have that kind of patience and understanding they deserve to know all the information that's going on with our kiddo and I think that's sometimes hard for us as a parent to you know understand why is it so important that the school knows what's going on in my kid's life and it's important to know because the school is a part of your kid's life and those teachers and those providers are a part of their life and that's why we all have to work together to make your kids successful for sure do you are there any i've heard it said and i wanted 
to see if you guys could answer this question or bring some perspective on this, but as far as medicating a child, I don't know if you could speak to this from the from the um, the governing paperwork, right? <laughs> but is it a, is it mandatory that a child that has deficits or you know behavioral issues? I've heard it said that they have to be medicated. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? No. I don't no. think so. Not necessarily so. No. So a parent does because I want parents to be armed to know if they choose not to medicate. They do have that right. Right. They That's do. Choice. Yeah. That's absolutely. Okay. But parents also need to be a, a little cautionary. If you have a child that that has whatever diagnosis and they're mm-hmm. taking medication for them, as the parent, if at some point you decide you no longer want them to take it, there's a process to wean them off of that okay. medication many times okay. because mm-hmm. of right. the side effects. Right. So if you just cold turkey, take your kid off of a, an antipsychotic medication and then send them to school... Be ready for that phone call because okay. your kiddo is not going to be ready to be at school today. Okay. Yeah. Know that there's a process, and it's as Simo was saying, it is your choice. But allow us to be a part of your team once again to help you do the interventions you think as your as your child's advocate is the most appropriate. You know your kid better than us. They're your child, and you're their advocate. And we're going to follow whatever you want to lead as our treatment team for the parent. But you have to let us help and guide you through that process. We will follow the treatment plan that you think is most appropriate. Help and us help you. Yeah, help us help you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yes. You just got so, but that's what I'm trying to say. Help uh, us yeah. help you. And on help the same me. token, so if you have a kiddo that, that is taking medication and then the parent decides not to take medication, we need to know that too because how they're supported at school is going to change right. because the kid's not the same anymore. For sure. Right. There's that, different yeah. interventions that we'll use. Okay. And that that was the question. Um, I know that th- whether whether it be rumor mill kind of kind of thing, but that CPS could possibly have to intervene. I guess when it's when the medication seems to be necessary as determined by the physician, right? If it's life threatening for them life not to have it. If it's life threatening for them not to have it. Um, but as far as behavior goes, discretion of the parent in in conjunction with the recommendations of the physician. Yes. Okay. Just yeah. want to make sure. Because I think that's really important. I think that one thing I run into with parents is those questions about, you know, the medication yeah. Are you going to call CPS on me if I say no? Right. Absolutely right. not. I will not call CPS on you if there's if there's a safety plan that we can put together in place as a team with interventions that can help your child be successful. That our goal is never to involve CPS unless we have to. And and let's let's not forget that CPS isn't a punishment. CPS can be a huge help and resource for mm-hmm, families. For sure. And I know that sometimes when CPS gets brought in, the automatic thought is you're going to take my child. No, that's not that's not the goal. The goal is to help you be successful as a family, but protect your child and the rights that they have as a kiddo. For sure. And I think that that's definitely key. You both have backgrounds. Actually, everybody All here has us, a background yeah. in CPS. So when would, if at all, would CPS come into the picture? So we're, you know, mandatory reporters of any abuse or neglect or suspected abuse or neglect. So if a child comes in and there's, you know, evidence of that, they make an outcry, um, you know, there's a suspicion that, you know, 
there's some type of abuse or neglect going on that's harming the child, then a, a report would be made. Okay. Yeah. Danger, if we think there's danger somewhere surrounding the kiddo. Okay. And, um, but fear not parents. It, 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 I think, an, a, you know, something that jumps out at me is that, again, that team, that team effort that, you know, let's all work together. We, we, we're very serious about our youth coming up and being able to function in this reality. I mean, they are, they're going to keep us going. That's the hope, right? <laughs> <laughs> if they're not eating Tide Pod packets, we're we're good. We're good. If you're eating Tide Pod packets, you're not helping humanity, folks. I just want to put. I had to put that out there today. Um, <laughs> please don't eat Tide Pods, uh, kitties. So we are, you know, we're putting out information again that we hope that this goes on and on. Please share this video. Please share with uh, your family and your friends who you know may have kids that are struggling in the educational setting uh, because there's there's going to be some information. You know, you're listening, if you're listening live, you're listening right now, um, yeah, may not be something that you need in the moment, but it may pop up in your mind that, you know, uh, Grandma Betty's raising her grandchild or, you know, uh, your child is starting to show signs of, you know, dysfunction in the classroom. Um Here's a video for you to be able to come back and visit, take some notes, get some resources. We're not done yet. Uh, when we when we come back, we are going to uh, talk about you know whether or not, um, or actually we're going to talk about how to get empowered. Stephanie's going to give us some tips on empowering yourself, empowering your child, how to stay connected. We're not done just yet. You're listening to Mental Speak. Look what you done to me I'm utterly at your whim All of my defenses down Your camera looks through me With its x-ray vision And all systems underground All I can manage Push from my lips Is a string of absurdity
Look what you done to me I'm utterly at your whim All of my defenses down The camera looks through me With its x-ray vision And all systems underground All I can manage To from my lips Is a stream of absurdity Every word I intended to speak Winds up locked in the Back on the Fishbowl Radio Network, you're listening to the Red Stream. If you are listening online, and for those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, welcome and thank you. I am Latanya Davison, licensed master social worker, your host of the Mental Speak Radio Show. Sitting with me today, Miss Stephanie Miller, Miss Brittany Baker, and Miss Summer Herrera. We are just about wrapping up a show on empowering parents and students in the educational setting. You've had some issues that have cropped up, um, giving you some tools and tips today to help you to navigate the process. So in this, in this final segment, um, empowerment, right? We've, we've identified the problem. We have gotten some interventions whether it be just our accommodations, whether we've got uh, some special education uh, resources, you may you may have needed to level up to the level of uh, getting some mental health help in the psychiatric uh, facility of some sort, or seeing a practitioner. So we're there. We're we're flying. We've got all the things we need. Got our resources. We got our team. How do I stay in the zone? How do I? How do I stay there? Who's who's in my who's in my corner? How do I stay connected, Miss Stephanie? Yeah. Well, I would say definitely um, communication is huge. I would say you can't over communicate, you know, with yeah. the people that are involved with your child. Um, we in the school district, we love to hear from parents. We love to hear their stories. We love to hear their insight. Um, it just raises the level of awareness that we need to meet their individual needs. Um, without that information, you know, yeah. we're just mass educating or we're just, yeah. you know, um, it's just not specific to that person, right? So um, for sure, communication, um, involvement, right? Be at the school, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? you know, have eyes, be up there, be present, let your kids see you there. Um, you know, let your kids see you involved and connected where they are m- the majority of their day. <laughs> um, you know, and then that also builds relationships with the school personnel, too. Um, that's just kind of beyond those brief conversations you may have on the phone or an email. Um, so for sure, you know, we had talked about, Summer had said, 
um, relationships are the number one intervention. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely agree with that. I think that's perfect. And so, um, and relationships are built on communication. So for sure that, um, and getting involved. Um, what about parents who have um, communication issues that they need to get around? Uh, Spanish-speaking parents, we have language barriers, mm-hmm. um even some intellectual barriers, right? We have parents that don't, maybe they sh- have their own uh, intellectual issues and they struggle. Um, what What are some resources for them? Wow. Um, I told you. We're going to, we, <laughs> we'll, we'll answer it together. You know, we answer yeah. it together. Let's figure yeah. it out. So I, I need help talking to the assistant principal who's contacted me. What do I, what do I do? Yeah, so there's actually, um, there are some scripts online on one of the websites um, that kind of give some some really key tips on how to communicate with different school personnel, what to say, you know, those type of things. Um, So Texas Project First um, has actual scripts that parents can go look at for how to communicate. And, um, but I would say definitely... um, go with your support system so if for some reason there are there's a lack of understanding or there's a language barrier um maybe a you know whoever's in your support system whether it's a friend or a family member or someone you you trust yeah yeah and the district can also supply an interpreter if the if language is the issue so if you speak spanish or you speak korean or whatever it is an interpreter can be found very good okay so there's an but that takes time to set up and are there, you said that there's some scripts online, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm assuming then that there's some key words and terms that need to be dropped in order to kick off the, the, the intervention? Well, so some of the things that it mentions is um, it just talks about being prepared, coming with concise information. Um, yeah. you know. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, and see, no, y'all don't understand. It's been a long time coming, and then he was like, and I said, and it was like, and it was all, and I'm telling you, he loves Jello. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. like, what? No, yeah, and then eventually the <laughs> listening stops. Yeah. Okay. So just kind of coming in and, and, and targeting. And, and the main thing, obviously, is we're looking at the end goal, right? The end goal is an empowered parent and a successful child. That's what I want to make sure that we're putting out there. The goal is to get these kids to graduation, <clears throat> right, and, and whatever uh, path that they that they choose in life. Um you said staying connected. What are the keys to a parent staying connected with the staff? Well, um, like I had mentioned, being involved, you know, volunteering, being up there, um, being available when the school reaches out to communicate or reaching out to communicate, you know, before you even hear from the school. If, if there is a problem, if you see, you know, a low grade or you see, you know, some type of disciplinary thing come through or kind of being the, even the first to reach out and say, hey, what happened here? Let's talk about it. Um, you know, early, I guess, early intervention um, yeah. in that regard. And also follow up. Yeah, follow, follow up. Follow up, ask questions. If, you, if you've reached out to the teachers in, in the beginning to ask what your questions were about something, be it grades or behavior, you know, follow up in a couple of weeks and ask how that's going. Yeah. Okay. What else you got on there? You looking? I see you looking down. Oh yeah, there's just tons of stuff. Um, you know, they actually have some funny examples. Um, 
so one of the examples was um, well they were talking about kind of managing your own emotion if something happens with your child at school mm-hmm. you know and we were talking to another school personnel this morning and you know, what do you have for the audience? What is a tip? You know, well, be kind. <laughs> be <laughs> a <know>? person. <laughs> yeah, you be know, kind. just be kind and patient. Be involved, but be kind. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I, you know, I, because the, our kids are our kids, right? I've, I've had to, even with myself, I've had to learn to tone myself down because, you know, any instances of bullying, mama bear comes out, right? Who touched right. my kid? No way. <laughs> Hell to the no. I'm coming down to the school and heads are going to roll, <laughs> right? But I I remember that happened to my son in the third grade and I ended up, I wrote a very colorful letter to the teacher. <laughs> it was professional. Brittany laughs, but it was, because she knows me. No, it, it was a very professional letter. And I tell you what, when I got to the school after writing the email to the teacher and it was just saying like, hey, this occurred. I would like to know what's going to be done. You know, so I come walking down the hallway the next morning to come talk to her about it. She turns and says, class, now complete that paperwork. I'll be right back. And she was like on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she sees me coming. I think that presence, right? Your presence is going to matter, too. But a respectful, kind presence. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And just kind of an accountable, you know, accountable presence. Honoring the process. I think it's also important for us to remember just you know, if you are the parent of that child that has some behavior difficulties at school, remember that that kid is in a room with other people's children, too. Right. And your kid is absolutely 110% important, For but sure. not any more important than any of those other mm-hmm. children that yeah, are in yeah. there. Yeah, that's a good point. If, if they're all a priority, none are a priority. Right. Yeah. Um, so it it goes without saying parents that you're going to be a crucial part of this you're going to be involved but it's going to require having that knowledge background um that way you can come in to the table to the meetings that you may have can you describe an ARD meeting what is an ARD meeting because I, I give the acronym, but, you know, people may not know what that is. Admission review dismissal. Admission so, And there's there's a, a lot of different types of ARD meetings. Okay. Um, so the annual ARD meeting is kind of a review of the annual progress that the student has made on their individual plan. Um, so the ARD committee comes together with teacher feedback, you know, related service provider feedback like counselors, occupational therapists, speech therapists, things like that. Everyone comes to the table and discusses how the student is making progress toward their goals, renewing goals, right. um, coming up with new targets. And, um, yeah, so it's and it's a team process. It, it, there's a, an administrator, an assistant principal maybe, or a principal um, potentially a counselor, some of those related service providers we talked about. Um, if they're in special education, they're going to have a case manager. Sometimes that's called different things, or it's a contact teacher. You know, different districts call it different things. But there's a um, a, a go-to person for that child, like a case manager, where they kind of manage all of that, the whole process of the the paperwork, um, and and they'll hold it with or without the parent. Well, with parents' permission to hold it without them. And yeah. also, in, in other states, it's not called an ARD meeting. They call it an IEP meeting. IEP yeah. meeting. That's correct. I yes. know, yeah, yeah so, other states. So it's an individual okay. education plan meeting. That's right. Okay, so so hear that out, parents. If you're in different states, in, in Texas, we're, we're specific to Texas, but for you, it may be called an IEP meeting. I'm going to tell you it's crucial. I went to my son's last week 
and there was a particular accommodation where the behaviors comes into the classroom and kind of intervenes. I think mm-hmm. it was like 15 minutes per six weeks, something like mm-hmm. that, right? And so they were saying, well, let's take that away. Well, I, I, I'm listening and I'm hearing, wait a minute, you're saying in this class there's still an issue. This is the class where he suffers with his grade. And I want to say it was the maybe the assistant principal. I'm not, I, I, I think it was... And so her thought was, well, you know, he's doing good. Let's just take it away. And I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> slow your roll. Let's uh, let's revisit this. And I'm thinking in my mind, he's not doing that good in that class. Can we at least wait until the end of this semester? We'll re- we could do a review at the beginning of the next grade. And then then we'll revisit it. Sure, right. Sure. Let's. Mm-hmm. And and the committee was like, okay, this is you. You have the actual say in how this is going to go, and they kept that particular accommodation. Yeah, yeah. So my voice was crucial. Absolutely. So we got it. I'm telling you, I've seen it. They're they're working it. They're doing it, and we can tell you that you've got to be involved. It 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 can happen without you, <laughs> but I mean, this is your child. This is yeah. this is your future, right? Yeah. So be present. Um, let's just talk about as, as as we wrap up. Just some, Brittany. I want to come back to you. Just just some thoughts on parent parental responsibility, and coming at it from the approach that it's about empowerment, right? I think in that aspect, it's really important to trust trust yourself as the parent. Trust yourself that you want what's best for your child and you know what's best for your child trust your child they know themselves and they know where they struggle and be open to having that relationship with your child to know what can I advocate for as your parent what do you need and of course sometimes as parents we're going to have to say "Mm, I don't think you really need that but hear them out and they they're going to try and tell you how they think they'll be most successful and if you can get your kid to buy into it and feel that they're a part of the process then that helps them be successful. And it helps you understand where they're coming from to where you can go and advocate for them and help them be successful. I think it's important to trust the education team, trust your providers that they know in their perspective what's best. And I think know that you're not alone. We've talked a lot about supporting, using your support system within the school. Also trust your support team outside the school. A lot of times there's social support groups things you can go to and things you can get your children involved in to know that they they are not the only ones that suffer with that disability they are not the only ones that are struggling and know that this is you know nationwide for us to deal with this problem in the education system and trust trust yourself trust your kid trust your providers trust the process and and know that you will have the final say. And knowing that that you have that power, it can both be really liberating, it can be really stressful, right? Yeah. So choose the guidance as you need it with knowing that you can still steer the direction. And I think that's the key, the key to everything. Okay. Ms. Summer, you, I, I think it was you that mentioned about the isolation that can be felt for some parents when... Um, when the diagnosis comes or the label comes, mm-hmm. what are some ways to um, break out of that mentality of, of, of feeling isolated and like you're alone? 
find support. Okay. Um, some districts have a parent liaison, and that person can help connect you with resources and support groups so that you can find people who are going through the same thing that you are. But also know that this is something, it's long-term. This is your child's lifelong whatever thing. And so there are some milestones that, as your child's going through life, that their peers are going to get you know their driver's license at some point and maybe your kid isn't and maybe prom is going to come along and your child's not going to be able to go to prom but there will be a different type of something that they can attend in yeah. its place yeah. so just knowing that that grief that might come with whatever it is there's a lot of happiness and joy that can come out of it and you can build a lot of relationships with other people that understand where you're coming from your child can still have a really fulfilling successful life even with any disability that they have and it's important to know what some are saying is yes it's understandable to grieve the process but don't grieve your child they they are still your child and they still have a life in front of them for sure and the the most empowering thing i I think i could you know throw out there to parents is that you know we didn't get a handbook right we did not get i don't anybody here get a handbook (laughs) I I do not have a handbook at the house. So I just, you know, don't beat yourself up. Do not beat yourself up if, if, you know, your child is struggling in school, if you're having, you know, behavioral issues in that aspect. Because now what the, all you've got to do is, is figure out how to solve the problem, how to, uh, you know, kind of ease the burden. The, the goal is not to make them perfect or to fix the problem, you know, or to... to, to <laughs> your it, job's to love your kid. Your job is just to love your child, <laughs> right. There's nothing... And I had to learn that. I had to learn it's not about even fixing it so much as it is just to help them to ease their burden. The, the, we're being real. There's an issue yeah. there. There's, there's something going on, right? My mom looked at me every day and was like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> she might still... <laughs> you did good, Ma. Somewhat... Somebody might say so, but um, <laughs> no, it, this is all about giving you and arming you with the information, arming you with the knowledge, and there are so many people out here willing to do that. We, we've got the ladies sitting at the table. They have committed their lives and their careers to helping your children, so take advantage of it. Uh, you know, be be accountable. Um, don't Don't think about being defensive this isn't about you versus them it's we right yeah it's it's us it's all of us yeah. together and start to think in terms of our kids as our kids this is our future right if if we don't stop them from eating Tide Pod packets I don't know <laughs> how we're gonna survive folks I don't know uh any final thoughts any you know I, th- I think we've covered what we could yeah yeah I think we did. I think you guys did amazing. You did so wonderful. Um, just to, to throw out to Middle Speak family, uh, coming up next week, I'm going to have on Flo Hernandez, Luis Juarez, and Jamie Gravy. And we're going to be in studio talking about racism in America and how comedians facilitate that conversation. So, like you know, Middle Speak every week is about you know getting down and deep into the issues but offering practical information so that you guys can take it into your lives and find mental and emotional balance i'm 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 so excited to know that this video is going to be on on share and people are going to be out there getting the information that they need thank you so much summer 
Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Brittany, for being here with us tonight. As always, you are listening to the world-renowned, epic and awesome Fishbowl Radio Network and the Mental Speak Show. I'll be here again, if it wills, 5 to 7 p.m. on Friday. Please share. Visit the uh, radio page at www.mentalspeakradio.com. You can also visit me on the host page at www.fbrn.us. Thank you so much. Wishing you all a wonderful week. I will see you soon. I gotta testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'm a tough guy.